What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Dudes with Sports News. As always, my name is Garrett. I'm here with my co-host. What it do, what it do. This is Jalen Prince. So we're coming to you guys right after the NBA Finals, uh, Game 5, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, now, is this episode 7 or 8? <laughs> let's, go, let's, go, let's go on a limit and say 8. Yeah, whichever one it is. Episode 7 or 8. Welcome back. Thanks again for listening. Um, we're going to go ahead and start off with some football news, as we always do. Um, I really want to get right into it. Let's get in with some controversial stuff, potentially. Let's talk about hot seats. So we're getting to the point in the season, or the off season at least, where everybody's starting to speculate whose job is on the line, who's about to get fired, who's got to save their job. And I think Jalen and I have come up with a couple good people to look at. Um, let's start with a couple coaches. Uh, I'll start off with your favorite person in the whole wide world. Let's start with Pete Carroll. So I think this man is on the hot seat because right now we have probably the most interesting quarterback battle going on right now, and I can't say that with enough sarcasm, between Geno Smith, and Drew Locke. But that's just a start. I'll let you go into this one. Okay. So if you if you know or if you don't know, I am a Seahawks fan. Became one since uh, my Seahawks lost to the Falcons in 2012 in the divisional round by an uh, unbelievable game-winning field goal by Matt Bryant. That's uh, So that was the day I became one because it was a long-line trend of both Marshawn Lynch's beat squake in 20, in 2011, then Russell Wilson getting drafted because I was a fan of his when he was at Wisconsin back in 2012, and then learning about the whole Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, the thing with Pete Carroll, he's been the coach there since, I want to say, 2010. Uh, he's been there for a while. Before he had Russell Wilson, he was below 500. Now he's back to in the times where he doesn't have Russell Wilson. And basically, this is going to be the discount broke down version. This is, this is going to be this whole situation with Russell Wilson and, uh, like, and Pete Carroll. The whole thing that transpired going back to Russell Wilson's departure is the non-name brand soda versions of Belichick and Brady. It's like you get you get Fanta, which is gonna be Belichick and Brady, and then you got the one that just says fruit punch. That's <laughs> Russell, that's Russell and on Pete Carroll. But anyway, I digress. I'm gonna be a little bit biased on this one on for the simple fact that I have lost trust in Pete Carroll since the Super Bowl where we didn't get the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Because like you and the rest of the fan base did. Because whether it was his call, Daryl Bevel's call or not, a head coach and a quarterback is still held responsible for each game's outcome, win or lose. That's one. When players start and when players, the Legion of Boom, guys like that, when they stop believing in that coach, got to go ahead and call it. And I felt like we held, we held on to him a little too long. Did we win games? Yes. But when you taste a Super Bowl, now you elevated both yourself, your franchise, your team, uh, and your team to a different, uh, uh, to a different, a different e echelon. Because now the expectation shouldn't be just division; it should be Super Bowl. We have not been back since the, and we haven't not been back there since 2014, where we could have had, where we could have had back to back, but we didn't give Marshawn Lynch the ball. 
that's a different story for and that's this that's another headache for another day <laughs> situation no since then his record has been above 500 but let's take a look at um, but like let's really really dissect what he's had since the legion of boom's departure back in i'm gonna say around 2016 he's had one of the worst defenses in the nfl and he's had talent but when you've had when you have talent and you have get and you have shown the inept ability to um for that talent to produce there are moments and spurts in wednesday have shown up but there have been too many times where it didn't where it became predictable and then you have to count on your elite quarterback to save your butt constantly 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 he's on the hot seat now russell is gone and you giving reports out that Drew Locke and Geno Smith are your two guys that you count on to carry this year. I already gave up on this season. I the only expectation that I have, we will be last in the division. We'll get a few. We'll get a few solid wins. We'll be in the top three in the NFL draft going into next season. And if Pete Carroll is still in charge, like he's been since uh, since the great Paul uh, Paul Allen died. I got a bad feeling we're not going to take a quarterback. He's going to draft another running back. I think that's definitely a, a good point. I mean, honestly, what I think Seattle does, depending on how the season is, I think right now this is the epitome of the hot seat because if they don't succeed even somewhat, and you're right, and they do end up with a top three or top five pick, I think it's a perfect excuse to give her to Pete Carroll, bring in a new kind of offensive-minded coach, and mold a new quarterback. Okay. Also, you did you did like the same unbiased version. I just had to vent that out real quick. I'm now, let good, me, now let me get back to the real reason why he's on the hot seat. Let's do it. Your quarterback is gone. You've had one of the worst defenses in the last in the in the last few seasons. You finally had enough courage to like to fire Ken Norton Jr. So with all that being said, Russell is gone. You're on the hot seat because you've been in that position for a long time. And it's the same thing back going back when you was at USC. You was Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, and that squad. You had a squad back then. Why why did you leave? I do believe I think Chip Kelly came to Oregon. Offensive-minded coaches. And then you came into the NFL where you was the man you was in charge. Then the Niners and then the Cardinals and then the Rams. They got all young offensive-minded coaches. You still never adapted. Last year was the first time where you saw a little bit of adaptation in the Seahawks offense. Not enough because you could still see like Pete Carroll still pushing this whole gotta run and gotta run the ball. Always gotta run the ball and play great defense. So Pete, Russell's gone. You don't show up or do what you gotta do. It's on you. I agree. I mean, it, this is a make or break year for him. You've got a guy who has had success in the past, but has kind of started to fizzle out because the NFL is the epitome of an adapter-die league. If you don't adapt to the changes of the league, you're not going to be in it very long. So I agree 100%. Either we see more of an offensive-minded you know, minded system this year, or we don't see Pete Carroll next year if the Seahawks do the right thing. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. Um, let's move on to the next guy. Uh Sam Darnold, everybody's favorite quarterback. Uh, I'm going to let you handle that one. All right, yeah. I mean, so the guy was supposed to be the next big thing as a quarterback or one of the next big things as a quarterback coming out of USC. 
The stories behind him were great. The press behind him was great. The numbers and everything looked really, really, really good. He was out of USC, which is supposed to be a big quarterback school, which they have been a solid quarterback school in the past. Um, but you have a guy who just never got to the level he is. Now, he did go where I always say all quarterbacks go to die, which is New York. Come at me, Jets fans. Let's go. But all quarterbacks since Namath have left have gone to New York to die. Their careers have always taken a nosedive after that. So I always feel for quarterbacks going into that spot. It's not saying the Jets are an inherently bad team, but quarterback wise, you can't tell me you've had solid quarterbacks or solid quarterback play for a long time. I mean, don't, don't even get me started on that, but you have a quarterback who was supposed to be the next big thing was supposed to be the savior of the franchise and has done nothing in the three years that he was with New York. So New York did the right thing, got rid of him. And they took him to Carolina where he didn't have to be the guy. You have good receivers around you. You have a, one of the better running backs when he's healthy in the league around you. You have a decent defense around you and you blow it again. And he was injured. So I'll give him that, but he lost his job to PJ Walker. And right now they also just drafted Matt Corral in the draft this past year. It is a open competition. Panthers general manager, Scott Fitterer said the starting job at quarterback is quote up for grabs. But currently, Darnold is the number one guy. So the job is up for grabs. You have a guy going into his fifth year in the league, and he's potentially losing his job to either the rookie, who is his inevitable replacement, or the uh, AFL superstar. Was he AFL or XFL, PJ Walker? He was XFL. That's right. PJ is XFL. That's right. He's dude was electric in the XFL. But you have the XFL superstar you know, waiting to get his spot. So I, Darnold is with the, the epitome of a quarterback in the hot seat or one of. I mean, what do you think about that? All I'm going to say is, yeah, I really ain't got a whole lot of care with the, when it comes to Carolina. Not with you. Now let's go into the current New York quarterback for the other New York team, the Giants. Daniel Jones is the other hot seat quarterback. And I don't think I need to get way too into this. I mean, you want to talk about a feast or famine guy at quarterback. When he's on, he's on. But when he's off, it is painful. I'll get this one. All right, go for it. Okay. Daniel Jones, also known as, and I, and he never earned his nickname, Danny Dimes. He's on a hot seat because let's look at the last transactions that the, that the New York Giants have made. You got a coach. You got an uh, you got a de- you got a decent to could be really good um, defense. Saquon is back. I think you got a new uh, yeah. You got a new you got a new co- you got a new coach with a new offensive scheme. Not only do you have a new coach, you have the coach that was responsible for the development of Josh Allen. You got a coach that's responsible for the development of Josh Allen. You have Saquon is looking to redeem his uh, like redeem himself as far as his career. You have wide receivers, even though there's a little bit of an issue. But a common denominator is always this. If you are the best quarterback in your division, you win the division 90% of the time. He is not the best quarterback in that division. I'll take Heineke over Danny any day. That's the sad part. That's the sad part. Daniel Jones, when he's good, he's I. When he's bad, it's Garrett. Garrett, I'm sorry, but I got to say this. He's Nate Peterman bad. <laughs> he's Jamarcus Russell bad. <laughs> I don't care about Jamarcus Russell, but that, that he's, that's funny. He, 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 he's he, he's he, he's bad, bad. <laughs> he, he, he's uh so he's subway he's subway roadkill bad. I'll take it one step further. 
I'll even take a shot at one of my other teams. He's Jeff Driscoll, first career pass as a Gators quarterback going backwards bad. Okay. With all that being said, let's get serious. When you think about all of that and you think about how the NFC East is constantly open, whether you're a Cowboys fan or whether you're an Eagles fan, you can see the Eagles taking a constant incline. The Commanders, they're taking a slow incline. The Cowboys, they're at a straight line. The Giants, they're at a roller coaster. Right now, it's a heartbeat scale. So when you think about that, if they could get a consistent incline, they can make some noise. But in order for them to make some noise, they got to get the quarterback right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the person that I don't believe Danny and Danny and, Dan, and like Daniel Jones is that dude. I never thought he was that dude. No. And so when you high. and so when you got that and you think about the people that you was drafted with, compare that to him, and it's like. Yeah, we messed up, but y'all got it. Unlike, but as a Giants organization, y'all trying to find a way to make this work. It's either got to work, or y'all got to go ahead and unlike admit that y'all was wrong and move on to another guy. That's the pressure that Daniel Jones is in because there's a lot of people that's riding on him, and he has yeah. not, and he has not shown it. No, he hasn't. And I mean, honestly, he wasn't the best quarterback in that draft. That wasn't the best quarterback draft either. But he wasn't the best in that draft. But you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, We'll see how it plans out. This is his last hope, though. If he doesn't make it this year, I think he's the new career backup. Now, let's go back to the coaching side of things with this. Here's my hot take. I think Frank Reich is on the hot seat. I think, Frank, I think Frank Reich's in the hot seat for a couple reasons. One, as a Jaguars fan, uh, I, I just don't like the Colts. We don't. Um, any Jags fans listening, you would back me up on this. However, if you look at Frank's Reich, Frank Reich's career record, it's only 57%. He has a career record of 37 and 28. And he's been the head coach for the past four years. Every single year, he's had a different quarterback. This is it. I mean, he stuck his neck out for Wentz, and it didn't pan out. And I couldn't have been happier that they completely blew a playoff lock to my Jaguars. Had a back-to-back first overall pick. On top of that, you just blew it. All you had to do was win the game. And Wentz had his worst game of the season, if not his career. It was awful. So if Matt Ryan, which we all know Matt Ryan is the epitome of an elite quarterback, and I can't say that with a straight face whatsoever. <laughs> Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback, but Matt Ryan's not that dude. But if you don't get to the playoffs this year, he's gone. I mean, there's no way. There's no way you keep your job after this. So I think that's my hot take of the, the offseason. I think Frank Reich is on the hot seat, and if the Colts do not make the playoffs this year, Frank Reich is gone. I agree. Frank Reich is going to be held responsible as far as like Brandon Carson Wentz. Yep. So there, he's gonna, there's a little bit of backfire on this one. I'm not going to put a whole lot of pressure on him with the whole Matt Ryan thing because what's the expectation with the Colts? I think the only expectation right now is they got to win the division. Win the division, make the playoffs. If because you don't do that, you're gone. The Titans, the t- because right now they got the best quarterback in that division. The Jags are still the Jags. The Texans are worse. And the Titans got worse, even though they still got the King. But a quarterback is still Ryan Tannehill. So if the Colts don't win the division, yeah, I can go ahead and say, like, yeah, Frank, Frank Wright might have to, uh, you might have to pull the, yeah, might have to pull the plug. Yeah. Well, let's round it off with one more coach. Uh, let's go back to the Panthers, and there's a reason why I bounce back to the Panthers on this. Matt Rule, going into his third season, uh, he is 10-23 and 23 going into it. 
and just hasn't found a way to really click in the NFL yet. I think the thing with him is it's always tough for a college coach when you have success in the college game to bring that same level of success to the pros because it's just so different where you're rather than you're coaching young men and like, you know, and some kids, you don't have a whole lot of control that you do in college that, uh, that you do in the NFL compared to what you had in college. So you got to take uh, take an account to that. And I'm not going to say like this is a little bit too much for him to handle. Um, it's just like when you're still learning the game as a coach, it's still for, it's still a lot that you have to learn because the game keeps adapting at a very fast pace. And I just don't think he's found like his identity. I don't know the identity of the Carolina Panthers. And I think for him to be able to gain some level of success with that, he's got to be able to find that identity. Now, yes, like the Panthers organization, one, you got to find a quarterback, and two, you got to find, you got to hope that your your best players are healthy. But at the same time, if you've been able to establish a consistent a consistent culture and a and an identity, it could be able to sustain even during times of a rough patch. And this has been a very long, rough period where they have not been able to recover. I agree. I mean, it's if you break it down and you kind of look at the way the league works out historically, a new coach has roughly three or four seasons historically to turn around a losing team. And if they don't do it, they're usually gone. This is Rule's third season. Um, now, you mentioned the identity of the Panthers. The identity of the Panthers has been on injury reserve pretty much for the last two years. Over the past two seasons, McCaffrey has only suited up for 10 games. Now, McCaffrey can't be the entire team, so the team has to be around it. I mean, the team has to be built up around it. You've, you can't just have your entire offensive mind live and die by one player. It doesn't work. You won't succeed. Now, Rule was a great coach at Baylor because that's where – I don't know if you remember, but he came from Baylor and rebuilt that program to what it is today after we're not going to get into what happened. But he took over as a head coach to Baylor, built up the program, and took the jump to the NFL. I don't think he was ready. Um, but it just the guys he has around him aren't good. You know, Bridgewater had 15 touchdowns and 11 interceptions through 15 games uh, when Matt Rule was the head coach in 2020. Traded him to Denver. And then they get Sam Darnold, who had nine touchdowns and 13 interceptions through 12 outings, 11 starts in 2021. You're not winning games like that. I is no I, Matt Rule. If he doesn't have at least a five, if he doesn't have a, if he doesn't show more than five wins this year, or at least get a over five hundred season, he's gone. I mean that that's. I don't see how he keeps his job if they don't find a way to win games. So, but that's it on you know hot seat players. I mean, let us know your thoughts. What I also want to get into since I, there's a reason why I ended on the Panthers. So I don't know if you know this, but the owner of the Panthers is actually being sued an ESPN article by David Newton. Um, the city of Rock Hill is suing uh, the Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper for more than $21 million by uh, which it is in York County over improperly utilized funds uh, that South Carolina County spent toward building infrastructure around the site of what was supposed to be the team's new headquarters. And the project was recently terminated. So how much you know about this? Nothing. 
I don't follow right. Panthers like that. I know you good. I just it came across my screen. I thought it was interesting. So the suit was filed on Thursday of last week, I believe, and basically comes in less than a month after their project uh, was canceled, and Tepper's real estate company uh, filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy on the project, estimated close to eight hundred million dollars. So Tepper is actually the NFL richest owner with a net worth of sixteen point seven billion, according to Forbes, and has spent more than one hundred seventy-five million dollars on the project of a two hundred and forty-acre facility in Rock Hill that was announced back in 2019. It was paused on March 7th after the or Tepper's companies alleged that Rock Hill had not come up with a promised $225 million in bonds for infrastructure. And the lawsuit refers to the failed facility as a vanity project. It alleged that Tepper's companies misappropriated more than $21 million from the penny tax revenue, which we all know about if you've been in one of those counties, for the expansion between Dave Lyle Boulevard and Anderson Road. Upon information and belief, none of the penny tax funds went to its intended purpose, says the suit. So, basically, here it is. Here's a little more. Uh, the Tepper defendants directed misappropriation of the $21 million of statutorily restricted public funds from their stated purposes. The expansion on a, or of a roadway in York County and improperly utilized these funds on their failed vanity project, the Carolina Panthers headquarters and practice facility. Rather than cover the ballooning project budget themselves, the Tepper defendants took money from York County and its taxpayers. For that, the county is seeking repayment of the $21 million plus interest and other costs, including lost tax revenue, economic benefits, damages, actual exemplary and punitive, um, increased construction costs, and attorney fees. Uh, Panthers haven't really responded to anything, and that's kind of where this is at. So to break that down, um, the Panthers wanted to create their own practice facility, you know, their own headquarters in Rock Hill. Now, basically, a uh, project went belly up real quick, and the city is now trying to get the money back that they felt was improperly utilized. So, I mean, we'll see how this goes. I mean, it's a messy situation when the city that helps house part of your team is coming for your throat. So, I don't know, just interesting. Uh, don't know if the audience will find that interesting or not. I just thought it was wild that the city is suing the NFL owner. So but that's where I'm at with that. What do you think, man? The Carolina Panthers organization is is not the worst in the NFL, but it ain't um, the best. <laughs> it ain't the best. So they got some issues that they need to work out before they and before they even cross their minds about ever trying to touch a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Um, but let's get it to uh, a team or the coach of a former team who thinks that they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year, uh, former Dallas Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. Um, yes, I'm talking to you, Cowboys fans. Uh, you are not going to win the Super Bowl every year. Y'all aren't the best, and that's coming from a Jaguars fan. I'm hungry for blood, Jalen. I don't know if, you heard, or if you've been picking up on that. Oh, <laughs> I want all the smoke. Let's do it. Uh, I'm hungry for different blood, but we can talk about that another time. <laughs> I'll take all the smoke. Let's go, Cowboys fans. Bring it. Um, basically, Drew Brees has kind of been at this weird little point. So an article actually came out saying that Jason Garrett is going to be replacing Drew Brees on the pregame show for NBC. Um, so he lately has been commentating games for the USFL on NBC, and apparently he's been doing a good enough job. So I haven't paid too much attention to the USFL. Um, I did see that hit where the guy lost a wisdom tooth. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did see that. That hit was nuts. That was a that man was decapitated and it was over. So um, I just that league's interesting. I like some of the camera angles are doing, but that's something we can get into another time. 
How do you feel about Jason Garrett being a commentator? Look, make your money, make your money every which way. But heck, if it could work for um for Tony Romo and he's really good at it, let's see what he let's see what Jason Garrett can do. Um, yeah. The only thing that I would possibly take take him up for, like as far as like actually give him credit for, is experience dealing with a very tough owner that won't yep. let you do nothing. Yep. Um the important like the processes of making a, a play call in the NFL and you know the stress of coaching a very popular franchise. Yeah. Outside I'm, of those three things, I do not care what he has to say. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I didn't think he was the best coach to ever do it. He did okay. But apparently he's a better commentator than he is a coach. So let's see what happens. I mean, I'm with you. Make your money. Let's see what you do, man. Good luck. Um, now let's get into basketball because I know you, or we've been waiting on this for a little bit. Um, but before we get into the NBA Finals, you know a little bit more about this than I do. For those who are listening, Anthony Davis, the center for the L.A. Lakers, has apparently not shot a basketball since, what, April 5th? Yep. Tell, so, like, tell me a little bit more about this because I just saw the article in passing. Like, what? Are Dude you was on the podcast. He was just talking around, said like, "Hey, bro, man, like, shoot, I ain't shot a basketball since April 5th. He was just having a casual conversation, and like, I was listening to a bunch of sports uh, talk shows talking about that, saying like, to some people, it's no big deal. Uh, JJ Reddick, ESPN's uh, NBA analyst, pointed out how this is normal for a lot of players that have dealt with uh, injuries. And I get it to a player, it might not be a big deal, might be normal. I think to a fan's eye and a person that's like, you know, not a former player, it's a big deal because like you're constantly hurt. And yeah. I'm gonna play the role of I'm gonna pretend to be a Lakers fan. I'm gonna pretend to be a LeBron fan. I'm gonna pretend to be a guy that really wants uh the Lakers to succeed. So I'm gonna try. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Action. Anthony Davis, you when healthy or a top 10 player without a without question both on the defense and offensive side of the ball but we cannot remember we cannot recall any time where you played a full 82 game uh, like game of the season and i think because of that and zion williamson guys like that or ben simmons and kyrie irvin guys like that is why, like, a lot of people want to consider shortening the NBA season, which is some BS. So with AD, it's more so, like, the fact that you would say your usual training method is has been doing what you've been doing now. Question, is the usual training method that you're doing now, has that ever helped you to an 82-game season? Has that ever helped you remain healthy throughout a playoff that doesn't recall you being in Orlando pretty much a long time in a bubble. I don't believe it has. You've had one really good, you had one really great one run with the Lakers. And that was in the bubble. Outside of that, you lost in the first round with the Suns and you got hurt. And like basically everything kind of happened right on time. And you want to follow the same training measure, measurement. If I'm LeBron James, I'm ticked off because, like, dog, I stuck my neck out for you to get you out of New Orleans to come over here. Now, we did get a ring, but one ain't good enough, especially as the Lakers organization, because these are the Los Angeles Lakers. And for him to spew the words in which he did, it shows that 
he's just one of them guys that just ain't built like he wants to be great like that. Because some people feel like AD should be what Giannis is right now. Yeah. Very tall, very athletic, can move uh, can move and guard any any position in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm gonna better free throw shooter. He can shoot better than Giannis. Yeah, but here, but like he ain't got the mindset like Giannis. No, and that's it's Giannis hard. on the other. Giannis is a guy that yep. puts in the work. He has a mindset like he ain't got nothing. He like he he's in, he feels like he's the same kid. And I can't wait until the documentary comes out. Giannis he, has the mindset of like he's back in Greece. It goes he's back to the fighting oh, every single he's working hard and he's fighting every single game every single day to make sure he ain't never got to go back into the life that he was in. And I respect that's why Giannis is my favorite player. And that's one of the reasons why he's the best in the game, because every year he continues to get better. And I'm yeah. thinking like. People say he can't shoot. He got better and better. His percentage went up every year. His confidence is going up every year. And what he did in the finals in game in game six, I believe. Yeah, in game six with the 50, with the 50, the 40, and the five, and I think either the five or seven plus blocks. It I'm gonna say five plus blocks. The level of com, the comp the competitor that he is, he plays hurt. AD won't do that. Giannis, Giannis ain't afraid to shoot the ball. Even though, like a lot of people say, like he can't shoot, but he still got confidence. And you're Anthony Davis. You're a guy that is known for winning. You everywhere you've gone outside of New Orleans, you've won and you led. You won a championship with Kentucky. This ain't college no more, dog. You got to put in that work, and you've been in the league long enough. But a lot of people will look at him and think, like, once he got that ring, dude was satisfied with life. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of an issue. I mean. And I mean, I'm I'm not. I guess I'm trying to question his work ethic, but it also, I mean, it puts him in a bad spot when you had one of the guys who was known for being one of the hardest workers in the league, who was on the team. Rest in peace, Kobe. Um, to that, that you are on now. So when you have a guy who took free throws with a torn Achilles, and you haven't shot a ball since April, like it, it, it makes you look bad, man. I mean, I don't. I can't get behind it. I can't, yeah, you know, I, I can't justify this. Cause when you look at sports with other players, you look at, you know, other athletes, the second they get back or they can get into the weight room, the second they get back onto the field, back onto, you know, what what honestly field at that point, back into the ring or back into the ring, back into the rink, back into the arena. And, and it doesn't matter what sport. When you are no longer hurt, one of the first things you do is get back to what you're doing and get back into shape because you're rusty. And I'm not saying AD can't do that, but I mean, shoot, I was watching the um, I was watching a highlight of the Pat McAfee show. He had a uh, Darius Butler on there talking about Jalen Hurts and this photo that came out of him and uh, OTAs, which we won't get too much into. Basically, saying how you can tell what guys put in that extra work in the off season, the guys who show up, it's like, oh, you haven't done anything since the season ended. Okay, and I mean, honestly, as a player, if I'm in the off season grinding the whole time and I come back. And you look like nothing's happened. I'm gonna feel some type of way because I'm gonna feel like I care about this a lot more than you do. And as a teammate, that's gonna resonate with me and sit with me. And I, it's no, I mean, 
it's I I guess yeah I think you're right I'm questioning his work ethic at this point you got to play with a chip on your shoulder you got to play you got to stay hungry you got to act like you know we'll go back to that Bradley Beal thing that I brought up in one of our first episodes there's only so many of these spots if you don't produce someone will take it yeah but the thing about that that goes for people that's just getting in the league but when you've been in the league for a long time and you're a star and and like ain't your star and you you got talent out the yin yang to the point where you are a guy that's potential is so high a lot of people is going to tolerate the things that you that you do and don't do it's just because like his talent his talent and his potential of the talent is so high like he can get away with a lot of stuff and that's what makes it sickening because like we all see how talented this dude is he reminds me a little bit of Boogie and Dwight Howard, guys who have some of the most talent in the world and just so, something happens where I guess that might be a bit of a stretch. Boogie was that's in a bit a of a stre- bad that's, spot. That, yeah, that, that's, that's a bit a of a stretch. I'll take that back. I, I, I'm going, I'm I, like, I'll take that back. AD, <laughs> AD, I'm not going to compare mental, like mentality between these two, but I'm going to go here. Anthony Davis is, is, might be in the same category as James Harden, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie Irving. I'll give you Ben. But, he is not, ben but sure. he's not those guys. He's nah. just literally hurt all the time. But, dog, when I tell you, like, him and, now, him and Joel Embiid were in the same boat as guys whose potential is extremely high and they're talented. But Embiid changed up his training regimen, got his body right, played a long time. Yeah. And we saw it, and he should have won MVP. I agree. But if you're Anthony Davis and you don't, and you keep doing the same thing that gets you back to where you are, where you're constantly getting hurt and not playing a full season or playing long enough for your team to like get right and make a run at a title, when you're doing that, it's like, you're in that category with Harden, Irvin, and Simmons. Now, he ain't Simmons because he ain't scared. And he ain't scared. He just don't, <laughs> he don't like playing. He don't like playing hurt, but he ain't scared. Harden I'll take that is like, smoke too. Hard, like, 80 is in shape, but he, is, but he gets rusty when you don't play that long. The same thing goes with Harden. And the, thing, and like the comparison with Irvin, he's going to play when he's, when he's right. But when he ain't right, he's not going to play. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll get into the finals in a second. But before I lead into that, you know, this kind of reminds me of the idea that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So I'll let you lead off in the finals, man. Let's keep with basketball. You know, we're coming up on time in a little bit. So let's get right into this. My Celtics have not been looking so hot these last two games. It's not even two games. Here's how we're going to do this. Okay, so now we're transitioning over to the NBA Finals. Yeah. Uh, right now, right now, the the Warriors came off. The Warriors came off a two game, uh, two game winning both game, uh, game four, crucial game four, where Steph Curry had forty three points and uh, uh, like in a and was shot fifty percent from the three pointer, seven fourteen to be exact. Uh, getting a bit on uh, winning, uh, winning in Boston in a hostile environment 107 to 97. Fast forward to tonight, where the Warriors came up with another huge win to take uh, take control of the series, where they're one game away 
from another NBA title. They defeated the Boston Celtics 104 to 94. The key and the story of the game tonight, and not much uh, like, and I can basically blend this in with game three and game four. The story of the game tonight, the Boston Celtics played absolutely, absolutely dreadful. In, in the, the fourth word, quarter, sure. In, in, the, in the words of one of the announcers from American Idol that was on that was on um that was on the scary movie. I thought I, that, I, 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 I thought they played absolutely dreadful. <laughs> uh but the fact like uh Jason Tatum had over 27 uh, had 27 points, um 10 plus rebounds. But when you just look at the shots that were going in, and he caught fire like early in the third quarter, and Boston won the third quarter in game four in game five. Yeah. But after Jordan Poole hit that hit that like that half court shot, they um put him up by one fourth quarter. There was nothing they could do. Uh, Jalen Brown, he was a no show in this game. I think he I think he missed every yeah he missed all of his three point shots. Uh, Boston couldn't shoot. The uh, like there was a lid on the rim in the entire first court in the entire first half. It was just it was all Warriors. And uh, think about it, Steph didn't make on uh, Steph. He Steph Curry, believe this or not, folks. Steph Curry for the first time since 2018 did not make a three-point shot. This broke his 233 game streak of having at least a three-point shot in his arsenal. 141 playoff games, well, postseason games, to be exact. He didn't hit it. He only had, I think, what, 16, 16, 17 points? Yeah, I mean, Steph didn't do good. I mean, I want to give props to um, Wiggins tonight, man. Wiggins balled Wiggins was the story of the night. The former number one overall pick who was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers and later traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was there for a long time. A lot of people th- thought he was a bust. He's supposed to be Maple Jordan is what they uh, herald uh, him as. A lot, a lot of people saw him that. But, when, like, there's something special about a guy that goes into a really great situation. When yeah. you're highly talented, when you're athletic, and Andrew Wiggins is that, he doesn't have the best shot, but he will shoot it with confidence. Mind you, he was an all-star starter this year. He started in the All-Star game. A lot of people question that. There's no question in that you know, why he got it this year. The dude played outstanding. And I get it. He's playing on, he's playing with Steph. He's playing with Andrew Wiggins. He's playing with Jordan Poole, who's like who's like taking a step, who's taking a step up. He's learned from Draymond Green, guys like Draymond Green, Andrew uh, uh, Andre Iguodala, Gary Payton. He's playing with a squad on his hands. And so when you're playing like that and you're the pressure's not on you. You have a little bit more leeway and freedom to play like you want to play. Andrew Wiggins kept getting better as the finals progressed. Made mid-range shots, turnaround, uh, turnaround shots, running flo- running floaters, running layups, stuff like that. Making big-time plays, and he's uh, and he drew up the assignment of guarding Jason Tatum after uh, like the entirety of this series, and he's done a pretty good job. Jason Tatum has and Jason Tatum hasn't really killed them at all in this series. He's played really good. He has not played great. And you got to give credit towards Andrew Wiggins and what he's done because he's made athletic plays and he's constantly made strong rebounds. When you're Steve Kerr and you're constantly trying to put a small ball lineup against uh, the Boston Celtics who got bigger guy, bigger athletic guys, you got to have players that like they got that dog in them that say, like, I'm about to go up and get this. 
Andrew Wiggins is showing that, and you got to give him credit. And tonight was tonight was his night. Tonight was his night. He didn't shoot the best, like from deep, but he shot it. He shot it and made timely baskets and made really big plays. Clay Thompson had a good had a good had a good night. He knocked down like twenty plus points, a couple of three pointers. Gary Payton was really good. Uh, Draymond fouled out. He's the first player to have three foul outs in on like in the finals since uh, nineteen something, if I can remember correctly. Uh, but he's the first one. But Draymond had a bounce back game where he was making a he made made a cut like key buckets, key plays on both defense and offense, offensive rebounds, getting steals, um, making the right plays, like cutting out turnovers. But the store, but on the other side of the ball, Celtics just kept turning the ball over and they was not and they was not hitting shots and they got really good looks, but they wasn't hitting shots. But I'm gonna let you handle. But I'm gonna let you take over that. But like overall, congrats to the Warriors that one went away. Um, Garrett, what happened to your Celtics? 18 turnovers happened to the Celtics. You're not winning the game with almost 20 turnovers. I mean, 18 turnovers is that's too many, and a, a lot of them happened at pivotal moments in the fourth quarter when we were making a comeback because we did outplay them in the third quarter. We were really close to we were back in this game, we were within uh nine points, I think, at one point. So, actually, shoot, it was I think it was seven. We got real close. I mean. The game was pretty much over when the Warriors were up seven with seven minutes left. Because that's, I remember thinking, oh, we can still do this. But to Wiggins' credit, he showed up. The Warriors showed up in spite of Steph, in spite of Draymond fouling out, um, which Draymond had really, hasn't really been there this whole series. Um, you know, that's, you know, neither here nor there. The other team's got to show up. I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. One player can't make or break the team. Wiggins has gotten into a point where he is able to not have to be the guy. That was the issue, I think, in Minnesota is because there was almost no talent around him. He had this mentality of, I have to be the guy. I've got to do everything. I can't miss. I can't mess up. I got to do everything. This allows him, you know, being with guys who can carry the offense to just play his brand of basketball, play what got him to the point he's at now. So Wiggins has been able to just be him. And shoot, that's the reason why he was an all-star starter this year. Wiggins is playing great. He doesn't have to always be that guy. He just has to show up, you know, when he's ne- when he's needed and just play his brand of basketball. And tonight, that one of the game. But uh, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So let me ask you this. How long have you been a Celtics fan? Whole life. All right. Self, so, this I love Boston fan bases. I really do, because they know their sport. They're hostile at it, and they're not that spoiled. A lot of people think like fan bases like that are spoiled. No, they're not the Lakers. They're not the Lakers fan base. <laughs> the Lakers fan base are spoiled, starstruck jokers. All right. Thank you for that. Boston is not. They're hungry and greedy. Not spoiled, they are greedy. That ain't a bad thing to be. But not as a fan. But like when I want to talk about that, when you see and when you see games like this where your team's not hitting, they're fighting, but they're not hitting. As a Celtics fan and the standard of the green and white, when you see guy, when you see things like that and how a game transpires like that. What goes through your mind when you're when your superstar or is potential superstar? and your star is not playing that great, what do you even do? 
you just expect the rest of the team to kind of pick up the slack around them as you would with any other professional team or even college team. If your star's not playing well, you really hope the rest of the guys around them pick up slack and cover for it because you're not going to be on every single night. And that may not, that, that may be, you know, my the way I look at things kind of mentality going into it. I'm not saying every fan and not even just every Boston fan looks at the game this way, but if Tatum ain't balling out, you know, I expect Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams. I expect Al Horford, you know, these guys to pick up the slack around him. I expect Derek White to pick up the slack like he did where he was, he couldn't miss. I fully expect the rest of the team to pick up the slack because you are in a playoff run. You are fighting to be the best of the best this year. You are fighting to be that team. And you have the depth. You have the players. You have the talent. You have the skill at every level because you are the best in the world right now. So I would expect them to pick up the slack. But then you look at the other side of the ball, and they're in the same boat. They're the best in their conference. They're the best at what they do, and they just happen to be on the other coast. And they're doing everything in their power to make sure they beat you. So you just hope that it comes out in your favor. At least that's how I look at it. And, you know, hey, we'll get them next game. I'm going to change my earlier prediction prediction of Celtics and six to Celtics and seven. Y'all were not going to beat him in six. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, bro. But, like, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of legends in life. Mass Kobe, Mass LeBron, untucked shirt Kyrie. Hoodie Mellow. Hoodie Mellow. Um, shoeless Mike Miller, uh, things like that. But the one thing that I know is a fully, a fully doggone guarantee. Game, Game six, 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 Clay. And as long as Clay don't get hurt, I will forever believe in the Game Six, Clay. Y'all was not gonna beat the Warriors in six because of Clay Thompson. Now, I do believe Steph, uh, Steph, uh, Stephen Curry is going to win the finals MVP regardless of what happened tonight because this was only – this was, by his standards, this was his worst night in the finals. Oh, he carried them in game three. He was and like, And that's why I'm saying like – Right, game four, my bad. I was listening to Twitch. I was listening to like looking at a bunch of things on Twitter saying like, I wish I get carried. Like, I wish LeBron would have got carried like that the way Steph Curry. Bruh, when you carry your team long enough to the point where you slick tired – that's the point of a team. A yeah, great team wins the championship. So when you're the Warriors, and like what are you supposed to do? Your guy is like your guy carried you the game before in Boston. Next man up. Next man up. And that's what they did. So they stepped I, up. Your like your star player didn't have to play that much. He get like he had a bad, he had to him by his standards a bad game. And the Warriors handled their business and did what they're supposed to do. They played tremendous defense. The, uh, you got to give credit to the Celtics. They got up in Curry. He wasn't able to find a shot. I mean, he made a few plays, but he wasn't the, like, the main reason. The Celtics did their job. And as a fan, I'm like, you did the job in which you a lot of people thought you wasn't going to be able to do. You stopped On the defense, main you did your job. On defense, you did your job. On offense, but, you couldn't you know, get it done. 18 no, turnovers aren't going to do dog, it. When, he, when Steph didn't get it going – they stopped guarding everybody else. Yep. And then offensively, you just couldn't buy a shot. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, we'll see what happens. Like, I a, will wise, say, like a wise man once said, you could hit a target if you worked at Target selling targets. Thank you, Chisel Donuts. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, the audacity of some of the Warriors fans and Warriors players to be upset by the Celtics crowd jeering uh, the Warriors players. Are you kidding me? Have y'all seen your own fans? Y'all are some, and every fan base has the nasty fans. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. We all got them. But true, but there's levels. There's, there's level. There's levels to this. Here's the thing. Next episode, we're gonna do. We're gonna do. A, we're gonna do a list. We're gonna have our own list of. Uh, oh, that's gonna be good. Let's gonna, do that. Like next episode, because we don't have enough time. Next episode, now we'll talk about nasty we're gonna, fan We're gonna bases. do. Na- we're gonna have a list, a tier. In a category of nasty pettiness and greediness of all fan bases in the NBA, and we're only going to do the NBA because it's honoring the finals. That's what we're going to do next episode. But to go along with that, with the Warriors, I'm gonna try to defend them as best. You gotta, you got to learn to differentiate the real Warriors fans, the guys that like the fans that joined back in 2015. Or, or like, uh, and then you gotta like, you gotta find a way to di- like differentiate that. You have to, because then like that's gonna be the bad apples that's gonna join in. Because I don't think Warriors fans are that bad. I believe the Steph Curry fans might be that bad, but I don't think Warriors fans. I'm talking about the one, the real ones that like ha- that were like riding with them when Baron Davis and the eight C Warriors defeated Dirk Nowinski in his MVP season in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Because I believe them fan bases like that's a di- like you got to go back. So when I take that into account, I don't think Warriors fans are that bad. Are they petty and are they petty and sensitive to a degree? But we are in 2020. Who ain't sensitive nowadays? Warriors fans. What's 2022? Remind- Warriors fans remind me of Giants fans. I don't understand. Giants fans. So there are two teams. Uh huh. In the NBA. Uh huh. That remind me of two teams, the NFL, uh-huh. because everybody rocks these teams. Everybody reps these teams, whether they're actual fans of the team or not. Now, the Dallas Cowboys are one of those teams, the NFL. They remind me of the Lakers because it's popular to hate them. However, there are reasons to hate them. And they have a successful history of winning. And everybody wearing a Cowboys hat, Cowboys shirt, or whatever has almost always got a Lakers hat or a Lakers shirt somewhere. That's how I feel about that. I think the Warriors fans remind me of a lot of the Giants fans or other New York fan bases. Then I pick on the Giants because I can't pick on the Jets because y'all ain't won anything in a long time. Again, I don't know what it is this week. I want the smoke. Let's get it. So... Giants haven't, they won two Super Bowls and got real confident. Warriors have won a couple rings and y'all gotten real confident. Granted, y'all have a good team. They do have the history. And, they do have the history on the side. They have won championships. Yeah. Now, a lot of people want to discredit it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't. And I, I, I'm not, that, that's not necessarily a knock against the, the Warriors per se. Like I said, y'all got a great team. I mean, there's a reason y'all have won the way y'all have won. It's been great, and it's been fun to watch. A lot of people are going to say lucky because, like, Ja got hurt in the Memphis series. Dylan Brooks got, like, uh, like uh, suspended. 
for a few games. Look, here's here's the thing. I want to change. I want to change. I want to change that. I want to change from the Giants to the Patriots. All right, I'll let you do it. Yeah, that one I'll take. I'll take Giants. I'll, I'll change from the Giants to the Patriots. Warriors might be the Patriots because it's gotten to the point where I remember when it was the NBA Finals, where it was Warriors were in it for year after year after year after year, and everybody's like, "Are you kidding me? Can it be anybody but the Warriors?" So yeah, I think a Warriors to Patriots comparison. A lot of people. Okay, so like you're saying it more like the public is tired of seeing the Warriors constantly get there. They want somebody different. Yeah. Here's the here, here's the thing about that. This is the business. I know it. These like and these players have control on that. As much as people want to go, like as much people want to throw the whole red card. I don't see that. Not anymore. No. I used to, but uh, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't see. I don't see that crap no more. I just see like people that like that's just gonna ball. You either that dude or you not. That's like that's just how I see it. But so nah, that, with like, that's one. But like fast forward, like overall tremendous game um, by the Warriors. There's going to be a lot of eyes on game six. Can the Warriors yeah. close it out in game six? I be, I think that they can because they got Klay Thompson. Steph ain't shooting no 0 for, 8, 0 for 9 in a game again from deep. I don't believe that's going to happen. But let's look at it like this. Role players play better at home than they do on the road. Yep. Jordan Poole has gotten more confident. Yep. Gary Payton has gotten more confident. Yep. Kevon Looney might stay out of foul trouble going into the next game. Draymond is starting to find his Draymond. Uh, Draymond starting to find his uh, like his, his his mojo on both sides of the ball. Now he ain't gonna make three point shots, but he is gonna like just make the simple ones when you cut to the basket. And he made that tonight. He just needed to see a few go in. But Andrew Wiggins is constantly getting more confident with Jason Tatum. It's like, to me, what I've seen in the finals, he puts up a lot of numbers, but they be some of the most unproductive numbers that I've seen in this game, in this series. Mm-hmm. And that's not to discredit what he does. To me, he is important on this team. But if Jalen Brown does not get things going, you see where the game kind of like pulls away for the Warriors if JB yeah. don't get it going compared to when JT gets it going. JB and JT got to get the ball moving. Draymond, I'm calling you out because I know you're totally listening. You won't shoot 10 threes this, or this next game. You won't. You won't shoot 10 threes. I just, I just want to see him make one. I want to see him make one. <laughs> I just want to see him make one. So I like I can a big see. man three. No, no, no. I like that. a big man three. No, 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 no. Not that. I want to see him make one so I can see the reactions of people that don't like the Warriors and Draymond. I love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like what I okay, what I do lately, what I do lately that like that like clears my head, but it's also fun for me. I love watching people's reactions of sports highlights. I love it because I want to hear what the heck they gotta say, their ridiculous takes. My favorite, my favorite like uh like YouTube reactors uh is EM Reacts. They got Twitch, they got YouTube. I love listening, I love listening to them jokers. Uh they're fun. Uh, ridiculous at times, but that's what makes it fun to watch. Uh, I like flight reactions. I like guys like that. Uh, the people that think they're the experts, I love listening to that and like give their opinions, even though they'd be so wrong. But my favorite part is always where they think that a game is won er- er- early within the game, and then another team comes back and like makes them makes them look stupid. I love that. I'm with you. All right, man. We'll run out of time, so let's go and wrap it up right now. Yep. Uh, 
thank you guys again for sticking with us for yet another episode. We really do appreciate it. Um, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about, feel free to reach out to us um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, don't forget to rate, comment, like, subscribe, give us five stars, all that fun stuff. Feed the algorithm gods and keep us looking right. If you like it, tell a friend. If you didn't like it, this never happened. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Once again. <laughs> we'll see y'all next going. time. Peace.